0: Hey there Rebel Mommas and Dads and welcome to Raising Rebels. This is a podcast about raising tweens, teens and beyond, keeping your sense of humour, sanity and relationships intact. I'm your host Vicky McIntyre, I'm a qualified childcare practitioner, teacher and mum to three amazing rebels aged 11 to 21. (music) Hi there, folks. Um, welcome back. It's been a little while again. Uh, I keep meaning to record more often and put more stuff on social media, but life just gets in the way, doesn't it? Um, but I'm going to try, particularly in the run up to Christmas and all the fun stuff that that involves. I'm going to really try, and um, you know, get on social media more. Try and get more podcasts out more than once a month. I'm going to really make concerted effort to do that. So please, 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 um. Drop me any ideas for uh, things you want to see. Um, hopefully in the run-up to Christmas, I'm going to do lots of content with ideas for, you know, embracing the changes as you go to the festive season with all kids, because obviously, you know, it's different, isn't it? You know, making those new traditions. And similarly, if you have anything that you find has really worked and you want to share, please message me, um, follow me on social media. Um, I will pop all those links in the description below. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, all that to come. Um, but today's episode was inspired by um, my husband Steve. He, he went up the loft, as husbands are wont to do. Um, he was going up the loft and um, having a bit of a sort out session. And he found a box of books. And in that box was my old teenage diary from when I was 17. Um, So pretty much my 17th birthday to um, the end of the year. And uh, yeah, (laughs) 1997. (laughs) So um, after cringing a great deal, I thought, well, you know, what can I learn from this? What sort of lessons about being a teenager and parenting a teenager now I'm on the other side of that now the shoes on the other foot as it were um like what has changed is there anything that is still the same for my kids and you know can I get any insight because I think you know hindsight's 2020 20, isn't it you might have certain memories of things but when you look back actually, you know, things you were doing, and, you know, it, I was a pretty detailed diary keeper, to be honest, was, you know, pretty much every day for the whole of 1997, so, um, yeah, there was there was a lot to wade through there, um, but it was quite interesting just to be reminded of things, and, yeah, things are slightly different sometimes from what you remember, so that it was quite interesting to see, um, just wonder what I could learn from that. So I had a bit of a think, um, and considered how life is different now for our teenagers to what it was when I was growing up, and I'm sure when you were growing up, I was growing up in you know, the the nineties. Um, were well, my teenage years basically? So I have some view. He, you might be younger, um, make you feel quite old. But yeah, that 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 was my teenage years. And if we think back, you know, my kids can't believe when I say, well, of course, when I was your age, we didn't have the internet, or you know, for um, my older ones, the internet was was in its infancy. It was just starting to be, um, you know, in homes. And I did not have the internet in a student house until I was in my my third year of uni, second year of uni, um, and I had to go into uni and use the computers in there if I wanted to use the internet, and it was still dial up, and it's just bonkers. My kids can't believe it <laughs> because you know what did we do before Google? Honestly, um, so yeah, and obviously that's not the only thing that's changed. There's been there's been a lot. And a lot of that is down to the internet, um, which, you know, I'll, I'll sort of discuss that a little bit. Um, but yeah, lots of changes, lots of similarities as well. So I'm hoping you'll sort of come along with me for this ride. <laughs> thinking about, you know, a bit of reflection and thinking about how some of the ideas about being a teenager that that we have... um kind of pertains to the to you know some of the the differences in i suppose culture um society and we sometimes need to have a little bit of a think about you know things that were um you know how things were done when we were teenagers not the same anymore and we might have certain ideas but actually we need to be a little bit flexible when it comes to parenting our teenagers and our older kids because, you know, their their lives are different. The culture is different. Society is different now. Um, so I thought I'd just have a little bit of an exploration of that um, and, uh, and yeah, just see how that helped me reflect on my parenting. And it's also, it's, <laughs> as cringy as it was, it was also quite good fun to have a look back at, at what I was like as a teenager so obviously you know as i said it probably is the the biggest change isn't it the the influence of technology and the internet social media it's just such a massive part of our kids lives isn't it um it's it's everywhere it's all pervasive you know i've i've got one who is um Playing on his PlayStation and he is doing this whilst connected to um his sister in Brighton um, and they are playing a game. <laughs> um and I think possibly, you know, her boyfriend's on there as well. So they are connected for, you know, three, four hours across the country. Um then I've got another one who is downstairs on the computer. Um on Facetime to a friend's and playing another game and doing homework and and just on the computer down there. So it's uh, it's everywhere. It's it's completely changed of how we we spend time. Um, so yeah, it has it's shaped communication, it shaped relationships, self esteem, mental health, and I think it is really really important for us to. So keep abreast of that. I think sometimes it's quite easy just to sort of shut the door and think, right, OK, they're occupied, they're entertained, which is lovely. Um, When they get to that age where they can entertain themselves. And um, I think we just need to be mindful of what they're being exposed to, obviously. And we've talked about that before, haven't we? So, you know, just trying to keep abreast of, um, you know, the, the digital trends, helping them. Foster those healthy technology habits, trying to sort of intersperse being on the PlayStation or being on the computer or watching Netflix with other things as well um so yeah it's uh the the fact that we are a always connected um Generation, or you know, they are. We are parenting an always connected generation. This presents them with unique challenges, really, doesn't it? Um We've got cyberbullying. There's also a, a massive pressure to create and curate this sort of perfect online persona. Everything's got to be filtered. Everything's got to be perfect, and it's no wonder that we have such mental health issues these days I mean I know it's not that simple but it certainly contributes to it doesn't it um uh, you know if, if people are presenting one facet of their lives and it's not real is it you know yourself things that you put on social media it's just one tiny little snippet and it's only the good bits and it's it's it is very very curated so it's Helping to remind the kids of that, basically, um, having that healthy balance, it, and obviously, you know, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. I know this isn't this isn't something new, and and we're all very very aware of that, aren't we? As as parents of older children, but just thinking, can you imagine like <laughs> what it would be like to have that sort of fear of having if you did something silly at a party or even walking along the road and and you know you are with your mates and you tripped up and and you know fell over on the pavement and then you know people got their phones out and started recording you you know you've got that constant sort of anxiety of of silly stuff you do going you know viral or at least going round your sort of your peers um and that wasn't something that we had to worry about if we did something daft, if we were um you know drinking a little too much mad dog twenty twenty and um being sick in a bush that that stayed that stayed where it was you know that wasn't broadcast over social media and so that that adds a, a, another dimension to you know the anxiety of of existing in this sort of digital society as as a as a teenager um I must be it must be really hard um yeah i mean can you imagine some of the things that you did ending up on tiktok i'd rather not i'd rather not it just doesn't bear thinking about it, does it so um yeah it's just being aware of that and um and helping them navigate that reminding them that it's not. It's not real what they see is not real. And along with that as well, you've got this sort of information overload. You know, back in the nineties, if I wanted to to find something out, I'd go down to the library. Um and I used to use this was a really good excuse. I'd I'd just go and our uh, um library, local library was basically it was um to round the block so it was quite a nice little walk i'd say i don't know maybe 40 minutes potentially if i was walking slowly sort of round the block and so as a a rather sneaky teenager that was a good excuse to go and have a crafty cigarette on the way (laughs) round. um but these days you know our kids have got um a wealth of information at their fingertips it's information overload and what we need to do is to really help them distinguish between what's credible what's not credible you know what what is reliable and unreliable as a source and and i think i said this you know back in the first episode that the whole point of raising rebels my whole sort of why is so this idea of raising kids that are constantly questioning things. And and this is the kind of thing I mean, you know, being able to um to navigate that the vast sea of information that we have available to us and they have available to them at the moment, navigating it responsibly and not just taking everything at face value. Oh, you know, I saw such and such on Twitter and um blah blah blah. Helping them sort of unpick that a little bit. Well, where's the evidence? what's the counterpoint is this true or is it somebody just um putting a very biased spin on something where's the evidence so you know that is really important isn't it critical thinking and i suppose as a, a sort of consequence of that you have the social media aspect with having to project a particular um image and having access to all this information as well it does take a toll on the mental health it's going to be um you know they they have access to things that are upsetting um, particularly you know at the moment we have very upsetting stories in the news and this is what I talked about in my last episode wasn't it just having those open lines of communication um, letting them know that that they can come to you with you know with any issues um I think it's really good these days that mental health is a lot less stigmatized than it was when we were young. I think that we now recognise just how important mental health is. Um and and it's just because it's, you know, not something that we can see, it doesn't mean it's not there. And I think it's been destigmatized now, which is brilliant. So that's that is that is really good, but at the same time, we've just got to be aware of the fact that, you know, the this society, it does perpetuate that anxiety, doesn't it, and perpetuate some of that stress. So you being that safe place um, for your kids to come to and, and just have those conversations, that's really important. Um, and I suppose as well, talking about mental health... Our teenagers and our tweens and, you know, older kids, Sadie was um, just doing her A-levels and her whole fresher year of uni, basically, was um, ruined due to COVID. So they've been through a pandemic. And so I think we have to remember that as well, don't we? That that's taken its toll on mental health. And while the internet um, and and being connected was such an absolute blessing because can you imagine going through that and and not having that communication, not having <laughs> Netflix? Oh, the days of Tiger King. I mean, it is rose-tinted glasses, isn't it, I think, looking back at it. But, you know, thank goodness we had all that. Um, but they have been through that and that has taken a toll, that education was... You know I'm still teaching kids who have been affected by that, and it's it's been hard, hasn't it? so yeah, it's just keeping an eye on that whole um side of things and keeping that an eye on that anxiety and just being aware that those issues are there. I think it was hard enough for adults to deal with, wasn't it um but yeah, kids it must been so much harder and they have dealt with it so well but there are still repercussions and I think sometimes maybe we forget that. Um particularly with the whole social anxiety thing. Um it, and yeah, it it is it's easy to forget that. Um in fact the whole way of, of communication really, and this is not just anti COVID, but generally we have changed now. We're not not so much a face to face sort of society now, are we? There's a, you know, meetings are online and um, you know, we we text uh, and email, and obviously this is not just post COVID, but um, I think it's important to remind our kids as well the importance of face to face interaction, <laughs> and it's easier said than done sometimes because I would rather. Hide behind, you know, a phone a lot of the time, and, and be texting. I don't know about you, but um, but yeah, um, I think we we do need to make sure that that they are interacting face to face, and and having, and having those in person experiences as well. Because I think that's really really important. Um, because it's very easy to become isolated, isn't it? When they're sort of they're in the rooms and and they're online. Getting out into the real world and that's going to help mental health wise as well. Having those experiences, so that that's really important. Getting that balance there, isn't it? I think as well the the whole idea of, sort of moving away from but I say moving away from online, not entirely actually, because if you think about um, sort of sex education and um, relationships that kind of thing the way teenagers are learning about relationships obviously I think there's a lot more sex education in schools and it's a lot more about um, consent and things like that which is absolutely brilliant um, and the fact that kids are going to see stuff that perhaps well they definitely shouldn't I mean a lot of the time um, and that that's there, isn't it? So whilst we might have a more tolerant society... I mean, it was definitely getting there in the 90s, but um, I think now it's, it's definitely... It, for most people, apart from, you know, small factions of people who are still a little bit... Um, dare I use the word? Bigoted? Um, you know, the, there's a lot more openness and acceptance of LGBTQ... Um, and and it's great. There's a lot more acceptance. That's absolutely brilliant. Flip side of that, as I say, you've got um, kids learning about sex uh, from online porn. Now, the scary thing is, um, and I can't remember what the statistic is, but by, by the age of about 12, by the time that most of them have, have got a smartphone, there's going to be a significant majority of kids that have actually... Seen online porn, which is absolutely terrifying, and I think I am going to do a podcast on this because I think it is so important to talk to our kids about the fact that's not that's not realistic. That's not a realistic, um, interpretation, a realistic, um, you know, um, representation of what sex is about. So. Those are conversations we definitely need to be having with our our older kids. Um, But also, I think we we have to swallow any embarrassment and any, like, hang-ups we might have ourselves, and be able to ask those questions. Have you seen anything? And, you know, has that made you uncomfortable? And, and you know, it can be pretty flipping traumatic and coming across stuff that you don't want to come across like that, is traumatic enough as an adult. So navigating that as a as a tween or a teen, a younger teen, even older teen, you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? So I think we do need to, as much as we might not want to, be asking those questions. And um, I will do a whole episode on this because I think it is really, really important. Um But, yeah, just that non-judgmental listening, understanding, um super important, I think. One good thing that strikes me as being different, though, is um the in, back in the nineties, there was a very laid out path. It was already you know quite prescribed, particularly if you were quite a middle class kid like I was. You know, you you went to school and then you went to uni. Whereas these days, it's not actually you know that that's not taken for granted anymore because there are a lot more options. So what I would say, um. And you know, reading my diary and and sort of thinking about courses I want to do things like that. That isn't right for every kid, is it? So I would encourage you to to maybe have a, a talk with your your teenager, um, and and just think about what what they want to do, whether uni is right for them. There's so many more options now in terms of apprenticeships, vocational courses that weren't really. As much of a thing when, when I was growing up. So that's definitely worth looking into. I do think that there's so many more options, and it, and it and it's brilliant. I know that uni was right for Sadie, whereas with Sophia, um, and I'm sure I mentioned this fairly early on, um, in the podcast, so in previous episodes as well. But she's doing a vocational course because she wants to work with animals, and I think it's. Maybe taking a step back from our, possibly if that's the route you went down, that might be the route in your mind that your child's going to go down. But not that's not necessarily the case because the, there's other things they could do these days. Um It could even be that they can get an apprenticeship and and do a degree at the same time and have it funded, which is absolutely fantastic. But that's another option as well. So definitely... Have a look into these things, because I certainly wasn't really aware of other options and until Sophia wanted to do something a bit different, so I'd definitely look into that, and that is that's brilliant um and and I wish things had been a little bit different back when I was choosing what I wanted to do because I might have chosen to to do something else I don't know, and um, but that's there, so I'd definitely encourage you to to think about other avenues um and and talk to your your teenager and and, and explore things because it's quite I think it's really exciting that there are you know there's there's just not there's not one distinct route anymore there's there's several and you know they can still potentially get to the same place but it's just a different way of doing it and I love that um so yeah that is something that that is different and that is something that is definitely worth looking into Something that that did amuse me, though, that's different, the fact that... And I I suppose it is because of COVID and things like that as well. But, you know, I was constantly, reading my diary, I was constantly out and clubbing and going to the pub and being with my friends. Whereas I think teenagers now tend to live a bit more of an insular sort of existence. Um, You know, they've got used to being you know, entertaining themselves whilst Covid was happening, and it's they're still in those patterns, um, you know. It's a shame in a way, isn't it? Because I was... <laughs> um, our local club that we used to go to um, was called The Dorchester, and if anybody watched Raised by Wolves, the um, Catelyn Moran um, sitcom thing that was on a couple of years ago, they did an episode about the Dorch, um, and I was always snogging unsuitable boys and just generally getting up to mischief and um I think kids have kind of missed out on that a little bit. I don't know is is clubbing still a thing I don't know it's it doesn't seem to be so much um but it's you know they they assert their independence in different ways, I suppose don't they um but it's it's about Getting out there and and about them finding their people, I suppose, isn't it? Them, um, like striking out their independence uh, and making those relationships away from from you, um, and that's really really important for them to do, isn't it? That's what you're that's what you're bringing up your children for, isn't it? To essentially, eventually, not need you anymore, and that shows that you're doing your your, your job well, and so I found my people, <laughs> you know, reading my diary, it was lovely, you know, some of my friends um, that I was, uh, you know, hanging around with then, I'm still friends with now, and I hope that's the same with my kids as well, Um, I, I was out with one of them yesterday, and um, we were at the theatre watching Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> I mean, incidentally, if you've ever seen that, given that it's over 50 years old, I'm unsure how they managed to get away with that, <laughs> it was the campus And most blasphemous thing I've ever seen in my life. It was brilliant. (laughs) We had Mary Magdalene at the Last Supper. Jesus being whipped and glitter being thrown everywhere um, whilst people are gyrating in robes. And then we have, uh, like, a little refrain of Judas singing, I don't know how to love him. It was brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. Honestly, I don't know how it didn't create the, the biggest scandal ever given that Dan Brown wrote a whole book <laughs> about, you know, the church trying to cover up the idea of, of Mary Magdalene being at the Last Supper. I, wow! I just loved it. It was just brilliant. I don't know how I'd not seen it before, but anyway, I digress. Um, so, yeah, it's finding their people, striking out that independence. Um, and it was more, I suppose it was easier for for us to do in the 90s, because we could be more free-range. Like, I don't know if anybody else has um, apps. Particu- I mean, obviously, you know, Finley is, is not quite 12 yet. So if he's out playing, I need to know where he is. I think that's fair enough. But it's quite hard as they get older. And I've said this before, like, uh, about releasing control a little bit and allowing them to have that independence. Um so, you know, that, that wasn't there then, was it, in the 90s? So I think, in a way, um, we've become a lot more, I don't know, micromanaging maybe of, of our kids and, and needing to know where they are all the time. Whereas in the 90s, you could just be out all day and your mum didn't know where you were, but, you, you know, she'd just assume you were all right. Um. And now if I if I text one of mine and they haven't responded in like ten minutes, I'm like having a panic. Um but but yeah, it's uh maybe it's more difficult for them to become independent, even though we are a more progressive society, I suppose, and you know, giving kids a bit more a bit more independence. Um Yeah, it's uh again it's that balance isn't it um and and again making sure that they are keeping themselves safe and you're giving them the tools to do that so that you know that that they're going to be okay i really hope you've enjoyed the episode and if like me you've you've been encouraged to think about what it was like for you as a teenager and how that is different from what it's like being a teenager today. And so how you might have to sort of be aware of that and adapt your parenting a bit accordingly. And um, whilst some things are very similar, some are very different. So just being able to bear that in mind it's certainly i think been a bit of an eye opener for me um just thinking about that so i hope that's been useful for you too hit me up on social media um leave me a review that'd be really good and be lovely to hear from you take care and stay rebellious